Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. Happy Christmas Eve. On Around the House today, we have got a special episode. This isn't just some replay. I have curated the best episodes that I think with the most information. We'll start out here talking about smart home basics. And we're going to talk with Master Electrician Dutson Seltzer from Electricians U. And then we're going to talk some fire safety with UL Fire Safety Research. And the last segment here of this hour, we will be talking with my buddy Dom from Evolve Stone. And that stone you can mount in the inside and outside of your home with just a finished nailer and so much more. Let's get back to the show. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome back to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, where we've been talking home improvement every single week, and you should be tuning in every single week. And if you don't, just catch it on the podcast, hit the subscribe button, and guess what? It'll show up, and you can listen to us, including that midweek special. Hey, Caroline. Hey, hey. So talking about home tech. Yeah. Fuck, and how I'm lazy, and I don't want to <laughs> have to go in and, like, maneuver all these apps. It just gives me more stuff I have to do in a day. So I want it simple. Make it simple for me, and I'll do it. So... Up until now, I've always said that you should figure out your your smart home plan of the things you want to add around that smart home base, that hub, right? That is the one app that you can run. It's kind of like the master control for your house. So you don't have to have all these different apps to run things. And so for my house, I went with Samsung Smart Things because it's probably the most retail-friendly it has the most options for companies that play well with it, right? Mm. So I can put in all these different, you know, things. And so you have to almost think about a smart home hub is that universal language that will work with all the different smart home devices around. So when you look at, you know, when you look at a box, for instance, there's all these different kind of languages that your smart home pieces use. Maybe it's on Wi-Fi. Maybe it's Bluetooth. Maybe it's using a language called Zigbee or Z-Wave. Those are two different compatibilities of how things communicate. And that's what I like about the Samsung Smart Things is it uses both, you know, all of those to work with that. So it has a lot of different things, including Nest and all those different things. And so it's kind of cool how it all plays together. So when you put this app, it goes on your phone, I'm assuming, right? So the app's on your phone, and then these devices will automatically connect to it, and it'll allow them to infiltrate the app and adapt them, just like a Bluetooth would. It finds yeah. that particular device. Yeah, and so what happens is, is that when you load that up, and now here's one change that's happened. Samsung has let a third party come in and start to use and create this hub. And so 
if you have the smart things platform out there, uh, it's also made by AOTech, A-E-O-T-E-C, Smart Home Hub. And so it's about 135 bucks. It's really cool. But once you load this hub up, get it going, then you can start adding all your smart home things into it. Hmm. And so that way you can create things. What I like about smart home hubs, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, is I can program all these different things to happen around my house. So, for instance, when I go to bed at night, if I want certain lights on outside, certain lights to be off, if I want lights on, you know, what, what do I want to happen when I go to bed every night? Mm. So I can go through and hit it. So I hit the good night button that I've created on my smart things hub. It does all these 20 different things for me. So I don't have to go, Oh, it's nighttime. I got to do this, 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 this. That's fabulous. That way I know the doors are always locked without having to go check them. Right. Mm. Your blinds can be closed. I know the garage door is shut. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. And so you can set that up. You can also set the lights to be at whatever dimming you want. So if you want like a hallway light just to be low dim, you can set it so when you hit goodnight, it takes it to that. Mm. And it just sets it really well. That's where it's kind of cool. So if you, like at your house, you could set it if you had your blinds were compatible. And I don't know if they are or not, but if they were, you could set it where it automatically closes some blinds, opens others, or closes them all. And you don't have to go through and reset all those blinds. You can hit good night. Yeah, that's nice. And so there's a lot of little things that you can do that with. And so that's where that hub is really the key. Does thermostat also go in there? Yeah. Yes. Many of the, uh, the thermostats will work with that as well. But to be honest, I set my thermostat in my thermostat. So rarely do I change the thermostat through my hub. Hmm, just because I've got it pretty much set up. I don't have to change it anymore. I, I know what it needs to be. It's set up. It's smart. It's it's doing its own thing. So for me, that's probably the least used feature on a smart home hub for me is my thermostat because it's already set up and it's working. So give me some ideas of things that would go on there because like I'm thinking about my house, right? So I have an Ecobee thermostat. So that probably wouldn't be yep. on there. My blinds would be a you, huge you, thing. If you had door locks, that could be mm-hmm. a big thing. Garage door openers, that could be a big thing. Uh, light switches, uh, especially on exterior light switches, you never remember to, you never forget to turn them on or turn them off because you have have it happening. You know, you can create it so at sunset, I want them to turn on at sunrise or a half hour beyond sunrise, I want them to turn off. See, I would love so that. You can go through. We've got a bat spotlight. Bats love our house. So we have this huge Mm -hmm. spotlight to prevent the bats from coming. And I like hate having to go outside, unplug this huge spotlight. I have it on a timer right now, which doesn't do well with the conditions outside. So I could put this all on the timer. It'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. And Lutron makes, if it's just a regular 110 outlet, Lutron makes Mm -hmm. an exterior plug that goes in line to that. So you could just plug it in all the time and then it would control that. That's so you I never need. have to go outside to do that. And so now mm. you're just doing it. Good night, that thing, or you just have it set up that at dusk it comes on and at sunrise it goes it off. It goes off. I would and be then sweet. you're good. So you never have to do that. It's just, it's stuff you don't have to remember to do. So that's where that's really helpful. And, you know, I did a lot of speaking at the show. I gave, what, 16 seminars that I gave <laughs> to builders, remodelers, and designers. 
And the message I wanted to get across, we'll talk about some of the new things that happen here in the next segment, but I wanted to really start getting across that there's a new trade in the organization out there for people that are building and remodeling. You know, we all know that you need to have the plumber out. We all know you need to have the electrician out or even your HVAC tech, right? Mm -hmm. The new person out there that you need to have on your job site is the integrator. Nice. And I know a lot of people are going, who the heck is that? <laughs> that integrator is that person that's going to come on the job site that is going to make sure that you have all the low voltage wires going where they need to go. They're going to make sure that the internet works in all corners of the house. They're going to make sure that all of your new stuff that comes in your house plays well together. So when the garage door company comes out to put the new garage doors in the garage door opener, that that garage door is going to work with your system. And then the most important part of that whole thing is, is when it's all done and installed, they're the ones that are going to help you to make sure it's all working correctly. And they're also going to be your tech support at the end. And you, and you told me something before we did the show, I was talking to Eric about, you know, how much of this is DIY? How much of it do you have to go and actually hire an integrator? And your answer was kind of interesting. You didn't give me the answer you that know, I thought you would say. I, I mean, I'm not an integrator. I don't pretend to be one. I speak about it a lot and I'm teaching builders, remodelers and designers about it. But let's be honest, if I'm building a new house, I'm hiring an integrator because I'm hiring that plumber. I'm hiring that electrician. They're going to be coming out and doing it. And I'm going to let them use their expertise to mm-hmm. make sure that my house is working perfectly. You're listening to my favorite episode segments of 2023. Now, when we come back, we have so much more. These are all my favorite things from 2023. My favorite guests, my favorite topics. Stay tuned for more on this very beautiful Christmas Eve around the house. I'll be right back. Welcome to the Around the House Show. This is where we talk everything about your house every single weekend. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a special guest in the studio, Dustin Stelzer, master electrician from Austin, Texas, and the guy that founded Electrician U. Welcome to Around the House, man. How are you doing, man? This is great. Happy to have you on today, man. Yeah, dude, it's happy to be here. I uh, checked out your show and I like what you're about. So. Thanks. We've got a mutual friend, our buddy Roger Wakefield, master plumber. Yeah, <laughs> Roger. Roger and I have a great relationship. It's kind of one of those uh, like plumbers are better, electricians are better kind of things. <laughs> so we're always giving each other crap. But uh, yeah, I love Roger, man. Just a positive, great dude. Always on fire. Always wanting to help people out. Man, he is, he is just as solid as it gets. My favorite plumber out there. Well, I wanted to talk to you today, man, about... So much that you've got going on. I love how you're just blowing up the electrical space out there and really giving some education to electricians, but including homeowners as well for people trying to tune in and and learn something else out there. Because 
I think there was such a need for that. And man, you've just jumped in and filled that space full steam. Yeah, I um, I saw an opening a long time ago. So basically how I started was I got my master electrician's license and I figured like the, my whole career, there was nothing visual for me to see for like, how, does, how do you wire a switch? And like, how does a capacitor work and all this stuff, you know, like I didn't understand it and electricity is invisible, you know? So like with plumbing, plumbers can see the water so they can see what's happening. There's no mystery there. But with us, you got to like understand quantum physics and wave <laughs> particle physics. Like you don't really see anything and it just acts crazy. So I was like, okay, there's people that have made books on electrical code and you know, how to- yeah how to install stuff correctly, I guess, to codes, but there's just, there was nothing instructive in like video or visual form. And I'm a creative person. I'm a very visual learner. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make it. So about six years ago, I just started putting videos together. And you know, the, the cool thing is that as I'm instructing people, I'm having to have my head in books and actually like learning things even deeper and more profoundly. And I found that just teaching in general, having apprentices under, under me, it like forces you to know a lot more, a lot quicker. So, um, it's kind it's, of Justin, it's so true because you can know that this is the right way to do it, but when you have to sit there and explain why it's the right way to do it, it's a different <laughs> thing of, oh yeah, we just always do it that way. But why do we always do it that way? Yeah. Yeah. I had some people coming up that I worked under, you know, some journeymen that I would ask them. I was that annoying apprentice too, man. Like I was like, how does this work? And how does the, how do the waves do this? And how, where do the boat? And people are just like, dude, shut up. Just go put the wire in. And I'm like, but how does this work? And they're like, I don't care how it works. Just the white wire, hook it to the other white wire and shut up. But so, you know, I would find teachers though, that were nerds like me, other journeymen and other masters. And those are the ones that I really clung to because they had that thirst when they were younger and they understood and they needed to pass that on to somebody who really cared and wanted to be great. That is awesome. And you know something, I think right now and in 2022, going into 2023, that electricians are going to be the need of the future over the next next decade or so. More so than even ever before. I think it's going to be almost like what we saw in the turn of the century when we started putting electricity in homes. Now we're going to be putting in so much more electricity into homes from car chargers to, you know, maybe taking things that are natural gas and flipping them over into electrical. And, you know, how many 100 or 150 amp panels out there in the residential world that are going to have to be swapped out in the next decade? Well, it's man, it's really interesting to see that because we've not only are we putting more things into homes, we're kind of changing how much things use and reducing it as much as possible. So I think what we're going to see in the next, I don't know, like 10 years or so is that all lighting is going to be low voltage. You know, like I think there's going to be a way LEDs, like everything's already low voltage. It's being converted from high voltage to low voltage, but I don't think there's a need. There's a lot of commercial lighting out there right now. That's Mm -hmm. all just low voltage cable to each thing. And you have low voltage cables (laughs) down to these little smart switches and occupancy sensors and stuff. So a lot of that stuff doesn't need to be as bright and as powerful and crazy. So a lot of that's going to reduce. And I think that using DC, using battery backup and and things like that, I, I just think we're we're going to see a reduction in a lot of things, but also, like you're saying, we have car chargers, we have these big, crazy pools, we have all these other things yep. that we want to do. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I just look at it, you know, the general homeowner out there that's got maybe that 100, 150 amp panel and 
they just went out and bought the, the latest electric car and they want to put a hot tub in and all of a yeah. sudden they got more amperage pulling out of that panel than it was originally designed for not counting the rest oh, yeah. of the house right yeah and that's you know there's a lot of houses like my house was built in 1968 i got like a 100 amp panel on my you know it's an old yeah. zinsco which they don't even make oh the guy you know like old old stuff that definitely has to be replaced but um, but, you know, I will say, too, a lot of people kind of misunderstand when they look at a panel, they think, OK, I have to add up every single one of my breakers and that's how big my panel is. And it's like not <laughs> most of what's in your panel, you're not using like even a tenth of, you know, if you yeah. have a 200 amp panel, you might be using 20 amps maximum ever. You know, there's yeah. so much capacity. But yeah, if you're adding something like a Tesla charger and you need like 80 amps sustained for eight <laughs> straight hours or something like that, then, yeah, you do. Definitely. You'll have to upgrade your panel. Which is good. So true. So true. That's and that's why you're going to be so needed and in, uh, in your people out there, because I don't know, I see it in. And again, like you said, I, I think that that it could go a bunch of different ways. Right. You know, they could come out with right now. It's, you know, OK, you need a 60, 80 amp charger, depending on what level of charge you put in there. But then who knows, maybe they turn around and boom, it's something else, you know, in two or three years that that doesn't require that, which will change the entire plan that they're going to need to do to to put in that much amperage because you know my old house here that i have built in 79 i had the old split main cutler hammer you know like to catch on fire and uh <laughs> ironically i bought the house and and i looked at that panel and i went ah that's a little smoked okay that's that's going to go on the short list and sure enough we had to move the meter to get in uh, to, to meet code where they'd put it versus where it is now. And long story short, we noticed that when they were pulling it down, that the, the neutral was shorting out against one of the legs and had already rubbed through the wire of the neutral. And that's what was causing the heat inside the panel. So I was weeks to months away from having a panel fire, but yeah, strange things. And happened. with that old, with that old panel too, there was no surge protection. There was no, you know, like even that era, what, how old was the house? Uh, 79. Did you have smoke detectors? Oh, yeah. Okay. So there's that's the thing, though, is a lot of houses back then, they didn't have any smoke protection or any kind of fire protection. They didn't have any. A lot of the breakers just weren't smart enough or they weren't, you know, not that they weren't smart enough, but over time, they aren't as effective as they used to be. So they wouldn't trip um, or you'll have like a bad bus connection. So the actual bus where the breaker snaps in, there's like a loose termination. There's all kinds of stuff. And then over the years, all of the change in temperature, all the moisture, yeah, like there's disasters waiting to happen everywhere. That's one of the things that bugs me sometimes when I jump on Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace. I see people selling those old breakers that came out of, you know, I don't know if it's some apprentice or somebody that's at the junk pile at the, uh, you know, when it's coming <laughs> out of the van at the end of the day. But I'm seeing, you know, black market breakers out there of stuff that they yeah. haven't made for 30 years, right? But it's... My Christmas Eve episode of my favorite episodes of 2023 of Around the House will return after these important messages. Don't go anywhere. To the Around the House show. This is our Christmas Eve edition where I'm playing the best episodes on my favorite segments of 2023. Now let's get back to Steve Kerber from the UL Fire Safety Research Institute. Next to your bedroom, that could take minutes. 
Um, and by the time Especially that happened, with a fire door, fire yeah. sheetrock in there, you've done a pretty good job of keeping it inside that structure, but you also have stopped yourself from knowing about it as well. Exactly. So you, you could be totally on top of a fully involved garage on fire where the only way you would know about it is if the neighbor across the street saw it and came and knocked on your door and rang your doorbell. Yeah. Uh, we don't want that to happen. We want you to know as fast as possible. So that's really where the interconnected alarms come into play. Um, people also don't realize smoke alarms expire. Yeah. So 10 years that you need a new, you need a new alarm. Those sensors don't last forever. And I think people don't realize that. I mean, I, I know even my going to my in-laws house and it's like, oh man, these are the alarms that came with your house when it was built in 1982. Um, you're way past. So great Christmas gift, by the way. Yeah. Um, give the gift of safety to your family. Uh, check how old the smoke alarms are and replace them all. If, uh, if they're older than 10 years old. It's funny. I got into an argument with a client over this subject. So I'm an interior designer (laughs) by trade. I'm not doing anymore, but I walked into her house and we're walking through this about three years ago. And I look up and it, that was a 1972 smoke alarm. (laughs) It just was. And I looked at it and I go, I go, that's like, that's like drinking six month old milk up there. Come on. (laughs) And I knew that she used to work for the fire department. And she's like, oh, it'll be fine. And I looked at her and I go, come on, you know better. And I gave her hell for it. And she, the next week I was over there, she goes, you jinxed me. Like what? She goes, that thing last night started going off for no reason. And I realized I was wrong and I had to go up and change it. But even as a professional, she knew, but she was just playing with fire. But I went a step further on my house. I went with that Google system out there, the Nest Protect. So now what I love about that, I have it in my kitchen and, you know, a common place for a fire and I'm adding it throughout the rest of the house. But what I like is it'll tell me when it detects a little bit of smoke and it'll actually text my phone. So maybe the dogs are home and I'm not, I'm out running around and I can see if I was to ever have smoke showing up in the house, I'm going to know that there's smoke before the fire. And I might even have to be home for it, which I think is huge, especially if you're a, a parent with teenage kids at home. You know, yeah. those are all important things. And I know it's a hundred bucks for a for a smoke alarm, but a hundred bucks is pretty cheap when it comes down to it. Yeah, uh, it's hard to put a value on the the safety of your family. And I mean, I know there's people out there that don't have a hundred bucks to spend on a smoke alarm, but um yeah, it's it's vital to have that early warning. I mean, I, I can't think of a more helpless feeling in the world than knowing that something's going wrong in my house and my kids are in the house. And, right. and even if you're not there, I mean, even if they're teenagers, it's yeah. I mean, I, we know how that works. They're they're blasting their music or they're playing their video games or whatever. And I mean, you could have a fire next to them and they wouldn't even know what was going on because they're so into the game. And there's, I mean, they're just headphones are on or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're in a different world. Uh, I mean, sometimes maybe figuratively or literally depending on uh, if they've got their VR headset on and everything else. And it's uh, yeah. I mean, all, all these crazy new things that we're evolving, we got to pay attention to the bread and butter safety aspects as well. Um, you brought up the closed door. I mean, so here, here's the next component. We got the smoke alarms covered. Yep. The closed door doesn't cost a thing. Absolutely free, just a simple behavior. And we've done experiment after experiment. And what continues to stand out is the difference between surviving a fire and not surviving at that fire could likely be a cheap hollow core door 
that yeah. is as I mean, talk about another evolution. I mean, you know this as you've been designing homes and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we used to have real doors. I mean, we used to have solid wood doors that were actual useful um, for for many things, sound dampening yeah. and wow. and uh, things like that. And they and they were beautiful. And now, now you'd probably pay a ton of money to get one of these things at some reclaim mm-hmm. store or something like that. But they would hold up tremendously to whatever exposure you'd put on them. And then it was like, well, that costs too much. We don't have that wood. So then we started cheapening up. And now it's essentially a, a very couple really thin pieces of wood with cardboard in the middle. Uh, to well, that doesn't like to burn. Yeah. <laughs> you can even get them molded and everything else. And it's wood pulp and it's not even wood. Yep. Um, but we've gotten really smart at making that look okay. Yeah. Uh, but what that means from a fire safety perspective is that, I mean, you, you want that barrier between you and where that fire could be or where that fire is. And it can cut off that source of smoke, that source of heat, and buy you very valuable time to figure out how do I get out of this place? Yeah. Um, which brings us to the the last really important piece, which is escape planning. Um, if you think Huge. that you can wait until you actually have a fire and I'll figure it out on the fly, um, not a chance. Uh, yeah. I mean, this, we, we see it every single day. I mean, there, there was one day this year in the United States where people did not die in a home fire. One wow. day, One I mean, day. We're, we're most of the way through November. Exactly. And I think we're somewhere up to 2000 people dying in their homes. Yeah. And uh, these are all preventable. Um, so that, yeah, door- I've got in our master closet, uh, cause we're second floor and it's just my wife and I kids are off to college and gone, but so it's just the two of us, but I've got one of those escape ladders that I can throw over the deck outside or out the window in the bedroom. Cause I've got a slider out the, you know, out the bedroom, right out into the deck. And I could pop out that way if we had to, I don't have yeah, to worry you, about it. Yeah. Yeah. You thought about it. You're like, all right, well, if I, if I get a fire anywhere in my house, chances are that by the time I wake up, realize what's going on, the wife and I start, what the heck is that noise? And you investigate and try and figure it out that your exit out of the front door, the way you would want to go is likely going to be cut off by smoke. Mm-hmm. So if it's going to be cut off by smoke, what's the plan B? Well, plan B is out the window. All right. Well, I don't want to hang and drop out the window. Uh, so we're going yeah. to go ahead and, and get a ladder that that we can go ahead and get out and, and get down. Um, if you didn't have that ladder, plan C is door shut, get to the window, call 911 and, and start yelling. Hopefully the fire department gets there in time and that door lasts long enough with the heat. Uh, or a neighbor gets a ladder to you or whatever the case is. But I mean, our research has showed that you can take a living room fire from a small flaming ignition to the living room completely involved in fire in about three minutes. The average response time of the fire department in the United States is about six minutes. So you do the math. I mean, you, you need to be able to get yourself out. You need to be able to buy yourself time because it's on you for quite some time until the fire department's going to get there and they're coming fast. They're doing the best they can, uh, depending on what kind of community you live in. It could be four minutes in a city. It could be 40 minutes in a rural area. I I literally have a quarter mile away. I have a fire department right there, but who says they're not on another call when my call comes in. And now the next one is 
two miles that way. So now I just tripled my response time. Absolutely. And no control of you whatsoever. I mean, if you've got two departments that close, you're in a pretty well-protected area. That's not common for most of the country, Uh, but you're absolutely right. They could be out helping Mrs. Smith with a heart attack and uh, they're not available when your house fire comes in. We don't plan these things. Yeah. It's random. Uh, yeah. It's random. Yeah. The other thing that I'm a, a big proponent of, and it saved my butt one time. So it's one of those things that that I've always done is having nice, big fire extinguishers in certain places around the house. Sure. And, you know, I've got three in the garage by every door, one by every door. You know, yeah. I, I, I always like one in the kitchen, one in the master bedroom. Just because if you need that as an option, you have an option right there. Yeah, these are tough. I mean, as uh, someone like yourself that that plans for this and knows how to use a fire extinguisher, it sounds like you might have had to have, uh, deploy one or two in your life. Oh, I got a story uh, for you there. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's tough because fire grows so rapidly that the important guidance there is, one, one the fire's got to be small. Mm-hmm. And two, like you said, you've got them by your exit points, which is critical. Our Christmas Eve episode of Around the House will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Happy Christmas Eve. Now let's get back to my favorite episodes of 2023 in this episode of Around the House. Welcome back to the Around the House show. Now, if this is the first time joining us, it's okay. We'd love to have you part of the family here. So make sure you follow us at Around the House online or on social media. Just search out the Around the House show. And if you're over on Facebook and you see that page, we also have a closed group called Around the House Nation. Now, this is a really fun group where we get to share stuff up. And uh, it's a very safe place to be able to talk about all those projects you're working on. And that is a lot of fun. Now let's get back to our conversation with Evolve Stone. You can find them out over at EvolveStone.com. We can pretty easily, pretty quickly get them a, a, a custom climbing wall to their parameters. I've built, I've built custom climbing walls, and I, I'm not an avid climber, but I, you know, I know how to get around on a climbing wall. Yeah, we we built some climbing walls that <laughs> certain certain sections of it are very challenging. I mean, yeah. you've got to be, you've got to be a, a you know. Uh, every week type of climber. Yeah, get, you're um, that person best. versus me getting up there and who's boy yeah. certified, but I get up there and I'm like, all right, this is kicking my butt. <laughs> there, there was a job that we did actually locally in Virginia at a gym. And, uh, we had, we had to wait. Uh, I think we had to wait for another trade to come through before we could punch the job out. So I waited for that them to come through, but everything else had was, you know, the place was fully upholstered. So I had to climb up and over that wall. I don't know, maybe 20 oh. times in an afternoon. And, and I was not in climbing shape at that point. And oh. I mean, parts of your shoulders, you know, are just burning muscles that you didn't know you had could hurt. You didn't hurt. move for four days, did you? Ah, it was the worst. It was the worst. <laughs> and it's after hours and it's dim and you're behind a, you know, climbing wall and Brutal. everything. So, so yeah, the climb that's kind of where that's kind of where we started to really take this material and develop it out from what it was traditionally used, right, in the 90s. Um and you know, the projects got bigger, 
Our teams got a little bit larger. Mm -hmm. We got smarter about working with, you know, we have a, uh, we have a steel subcontractor now. We, we're not trying to do stuff in house that we're not nice. good at or don't have room for. That's you know, its own under world, roof. Man. Oh yeah, you know we're not we're not a we can fabricate a little something here or there, but it's easier for someone who's set up for it. And, yeah. and I'll I'll send my couple of trucks. You know, if this climbing wall takes two or three trucks, we cut it down and this mountain down into a couple of trucks and you know ship it out across the country. The steel guy does the same thing, loads up a couple of trucks, and they. They meet each other on the job site. We all fly out and uh, try to knock it out as quick as humanly possible. That's fun. But that tells you about the the durability and the realism of this product that you can turn around and build a, a high-end climbing wall out of it. And people still look at it and go, wow, that looks like rock up there. Yeah. I, there's nothing that looks uh, quite like it. And, and you think, too, I mean, we've been – Featured at places like SeaWorld, uh, Cabela's, mm -hmm. Dick's Field and Stream, stuff where they got, uh, you know, we do, we do some work on uh, insane poles with Lucas Lagoons where they got these grottos that are seeing hundreds of gallons per, you know, just dumping over the edges of these things. And, and uh, yeah, this, this, the material is just insanely, it's got some crazy attributes to it. The fact in which it's lightweight um, and, it, and it weathers perfectly. Um, it's easy to maintain. You know, I, I saw somebody uh, uh, did the first cleaning of their evolved stone because it's in the you know shady side of the house, and they called me up about it. You just take some Dawn soap, mix it up with some water, spray it on, wipe it off. Simple. You no, know, you could you could lightly lightly power wash it if you wanted to. Um, you could seal it honestly if you wanted to seal it for a little bit more uh, uh, ease of cleaning it down the road. You know. It's it's super super easy to maintain. That's the um, great part. I think one of the other things I don't think we even got into it, um, but its ability to stay on the wall is fantastic. We did a negative pressure test. Part of what the ICC required was they wanted to know the failure point. Like, sure how how much hurricane can this wall assembly take is basically the test. Mm -hmm. It's the ASTM E three thirty and. What they do is they take four by eight wall assemblies that you make. And at this point in time of testing, I was making the stone by hand, one, a couple stones at a time. Mm -hmm. And I'm putting them on these four by eight walls. And then we bring this assemblies to the testing site and they ramp up this machine to try to pull the stones off. It's in a big acrylic and steel chamber. It's, okay. I got a two by four wall. Uh, with 716th OSB, and then there's a big poly bag on it where this, all my stones have been nailed over. And they're trying to pull the bag off of the wall and take the stones with it. Wow. And uh, the, the first time we ran that test without a single stone coming off, we bent the OSB so far that it drugged the uh, three and a half ring shank nail right out of the center studs. Wow. Yeah. So that was, so they, they had us make a more skookum wall assembly. So I had to go home, make a couple more stones real quick. You're come like back. gluing and screwing and yeah. you're just trying to make it all hold together. I'm just like, guys. So they put a three quarter gusset plate at the top of plywood, three quarter gusset plate at the bottom, uh, two by six studs, 16 inch centers, glue, gorilla glued and screwed the entire thing off every eight inches. <laughs> uh, and this was the last test I think that we did. And then they, they draw a vacuum on that wall and we snapped 
the two by six stud and half lengthwise on the outer side there before the stone came off. So <laughs> the, the stuff is on there. Yeah. You know, there's no mess there around with good. that. That's there. I mean, that's. Yeah. So that was a uh, 397 uh, uh, pounds a square foot uh, worth of withdrawal. And um, that's like a um, couple hundred mile an hour sustained hurricane wind. So you got if, way other bigger problems in the neighborhood when that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. If your shear panels are flying off the framing, then I can't, I can't. Help <laughs> <laughs> You'll know which panels are yours. Cause they'll still have a Volve stone hook to them. Yeah. yeah Cause the stone, <laughs> the stone will still be on it. You just, you know, if anyone's still around, you yep. can pick them back up and, you know, found your wall two and a half miles away. It's still got your stone on it. <laughs> it's an unintentional breakaway wall. Exactly. So. Exactly. Tom, thanks for coming on today, brother. What did we not cover today that we should probably touch? Did we get it all? Um, do, 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 do. Moisture impermeable was a big, uh, yeah. was a big deal. The color is infused all the way throughout. So when you cut it, you know, a lot of times when you cut uh, certain siding products, you know, anything oh, that's yeah. pre-finished, you've got the, the core of that product and, mm-hmm. and it's a different color or a different material than the outer our color is impregnated all the way throughout it so um you know if you cut a a stone you know square and flush and you've got that lighter looking edge you can actually take a little bit of thompson's clear water seal in a spray can Mm -hmm. spray that edge and it kind of just brings that sheen back to it and you can put that right in the wall no one will be any the wiser you could texture it up i always keep a waffle faced drywall hammer on me yep and i kind of touch touch up the edge of that stone and I'll uh, put it in place. Um, you know, we, we talked about no, you know, specialty tools. I, I you, you saw my setup. I mean, Dude. I had everything basically on me, yeah. um, minus, minus the saw. And a lot of times siding guys will even forego the saw. They like to work with, you know, whatever they like, you know, four inch angle grinder, yep. you know, whatever, the, you know, whatever they want to use, uh, or feel comfortable with. I feel most comfortable, you know, I'm not a, exactly a, a trades guy. I don't claim to be. Um, and my skill set is uh, particular because I've been doing this for such a long time that my skill set is turned into installer of Evolve Stone. Yeah. But, you know, my chop saw, I got a little battery operated chop saw. That thing's perfect. Um, staging, scaffolding, you don't, you know, you don't need a ton of it for the for the weight of the stone. I mean, we could go on and on for days, but you get the idea. I mean, uh, we have spent a lot of time. We haven't talked about the website or Instagram or Facebook. That's or where I was going to go next, brother. That's where yeah. I was going to go next. How do we find yeah. this stuff? If we want to put it on our house. Evolvestone.com. That's the that's the best place to take a look. We have uh, basically national distribution, um, and and Canada's a also a big market for us because you can put the stuff on. Uh, I, I, I was on a job in, uh, I want to say commerce township mm-hmm. in, in basically Detroit it was about, it's about negative five when we woke up. Um, so 7am on the job, it's, you know, a, a high for the day of like eight degrees and we're putting this stuff up. So, you know, the Canadians are in a pinch, you know, nobody wants to be working out that kind of crazy cold, but when you got to, you got to. Yep. So, um, you know, distribution, basically, uh, if, if you're listening to the show, you can probably, <laughs> you're probably in a territory where you can, uh, get your hands on it. Perfect. 
Perfect, brother. Dom Ryback, thanks for coming on today, brother. Evolve Stone. Got to check this stuff out. And uh, we'll be doing this again soon. Perfect. Eric, thanks, thanks a ton. I appreciate it, man. Thanks, brother. You've been listening to Around the House. Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, it realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.